This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, July 12th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. A lot to get into, Patrick. Let's start with, we're going to give our top 10 active head coaches in college football. What sparked this idea, Bucknoters? Well, Pro Football Focus College, who overall does a good job, they came out with a list of the top 10 coaches in college football and Ryan Day was not on that list. And listen, if they're saying, well, the reason is because he's only been there for two years. Well, Lincoln Riley's only been there, what, four years. He was high on the list. And Ryan Day's accomplished more than Lincoln Riley, in my opinion. But so Patrick and I are going to give our own list, our own top 10 list. Patrick, if you don't mind, I'll go first. And then uh, you can follow up with uh, probably the better of the two lists here. All right, here's my list. We're going to go one through 10. Let's see. We're not, right. We're not going to go in descending order here. We're going to go one through 10. All right. Number one, to no surprise, is Nick Saban. Whether you love him or hate him, and if you're listening to this show, you probably hate him. You got to respect him. He's not just the best active coach in college football, he's the best coach in college football history. So, Nick Saban, number one. Number two, Dabo Sweeney. I don't like Dabo, but you got to give him his props. Okay. You got to give him his props. He, Clemson was known for Clemsoning before he got there. He's won two national championships. And I do think Ohio State's passed them. I really do. I mean, you look at how Ohio State's out-recruited them. They beat the brakes off of them last year. Two years ago, Clemson won, but I thought Ohio State was a better team. So I like where Ohio State's at compared to Clemson, but you got to give it right now to Dabo with his two national titles and what he's done there overall. Number three, Ryan Day. Give me Ryan Day, number three. Um, And I think there's a clear top three. I really feel like there's a drop-off after three. I love what Ryan Day's doing. Some people might say, well, he's got to win a national championship uh, to be that high on the list. No, he doesn't. The next few guys on my list have not won a national championship. Um, The first two guys have. Um, And I've got a couple guys who have won national championships on the list, down the list, at least one that I don't know. I don't even think it's that good, but I'll get to him in a minute. All right, so I've got Saban, Dabo, and Day, one, two, three. I'm going to go through these kind of fast. All right, number four, like I said, there's a pretty big drop-off from three to four to, to me. I'll give it to Lincoln Riley, though, even though I said, you know, out, days outperformed him. Lincoln Riley's still a good coach, and I would uh, not mind him coaching my favorite program at all. I have him number four. Number five, Brian Kelly. I kind of, eh, I, I don't know. I, I have Brian Kelly number five from Notre Dame. He's done a good job at Notre Dame. Not a great job, but a good job. Number six is Matt Campbell. I like Matt Campbell a lot. I have Matt Campbell number six. Number seven is Dan Mullen. I'm impressed mostly with what he did at Mississippi State. I mean, Mississippi State, he did a really good job there. We'll see at Florida. He's been okay at Florida so far, but I have Dan Mullen at number seven. All right, number eight, Jimbo Fisher. 
won the national championship. He was the guy I was talking about. I'm not a huge fan of him, but he did win the national title at Florida State, doing pretty good so far at AM. So I'll give it to Jimbo Fisher. All right, number nine. I'll, I'll put Kirby Smart here just because of the way Georgia's recruiting, but he's got to prove it on the field. I mean, it seems like his team's underperform. I'll get I'll put him in the top 10, though. I'll put Kirby Smart ninth. And then 10th, I, I considered a lot of guys here, but I'm going to give it to Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, winning two Big Ten West titles in the last three years. And just overall, what he's done at Northwestern has been impressive. And he has had many, many opportunities to leave, and he has stayed there. So I will give Pat Fitzgerald the final spot on my list. There you go, Mr. Murphy. All right, Patrick Murphy, give us your top 10. Well, our lists are pretty similar to start with. Actually, they're very similar to start with. Um I had Saban at number one, like you said. I, I don't think there's an argument there. I think it's very clear who the top coach in college football is, and I agree with you, college football history. Dabo after him, you know, two national titles. It's it's hard to argue with how he has turned that Clemson program into a national power, um, you know, on par with programs that have been historically good, like Alabama, Ohio State, uh, you know, those guys. So um, Ryan Day, I had number three. I think – I understand the argument for, you know, he's only been there two years. I want to see it, especially if you're outside of Columbus or outside of Buckeye nation. I obviously think he's a great coach. Um, you know, I, I was trying to figure out if I should put him lower. So it didn't look like it was, you know, a bias, but I was really looking at the rest of these guys and I was like, no, I think he's the third best coach. If, if I were hiring a coach, it would be, I may even hire Ryan day, after Nick Saban, just because of, you know, he's younger and, and what he's accomplished so quickly. But, you know, I think in, in terms of, yeah, in terms of this list, I thought that it, it made more sense to put him second. Um, and then Lincoln Riley third, I think similar to Ryan Day, the way he has, um, you know, stepped into a program that already had a ton of success and was able to maintain it. You know, I think sometimes people take that away from those guys because the program already had success. And I don't think that's fair. If you're able to maintain or even build on in the fact in, in what Ryan Day's done and to some degree, Lincoln Riley, um, you know, I think that is just as difficult to, to handle that type of pressure as it is to, you know, build up a program. Um, now, after that's where we start to differ a little bit, uh, Dave, I went with, uh, with our boy Fitz at, uh, at was that five? Um, you know, I just think that, you know, you touched on it, but, what he's able to do at a program like Northwestern, the fact that he's been in two Big Ten championship games, has been a contender in that division multiple times, even when they haven't won it. Um, I, I appreciate that loyalty. I do think if he weren't a Northwestern guy, if you know that's just where he started his career, he'd have moved on and ended up in a bigger, more powerful program, and we'd be talking about him in a different light. Um, but I do think it's important to have him in the top 10. I just really like him. Um, I also think having interviewed him now a handful of times, Personally, I really like the guy. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is next. I do think that national championship plays a big part. Um, you know, obviously he's he's moved on to a new program from Florida State to AM and continued to have success. I think it's obviously difficult there, you know, being in the SEC, um, especially a team that moved into the SEC. But you know that that program has continued to do well. Um, then I went Mac Brown, and I think you know what he was able to do at Texas. Obviously, Texas is a huge program, but. Um, you know, that, that Vince Young national championship game may be my favorite. I actually just watched it the other night because it was on replay. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite games, but then, you know, retiring, coming back and, and starting to build that North Carolina program up, you know, I think probably faster than most people expected, um, you know, in the way that they've been recruiting and things. So he, he's up higher on my list than probably many, um, Brian Kelly, 
same thing you said, you know, has done obviously well. You know, I think at a program like Notre Dame, I think maybe he's underachieved a little bit. I think people probably thought, okay, you bring a coach in like that, let's talk national titles. And then he's been in the playoffs, but it just hasn't gone well. Um, you know, I think at some point he needs to get a playoff win to stay on this list. I want James Franklin. Um, again, I think what he's established at Penn State, obviously still a good program, but, you know, to, to have beaten the Buckeyes, to won a, a conference title, um, you know, to become that number two team in the Big Ten, probably most years over Michigan, I think is an accomplishment. Um, you know, I, I do think he needs to bounce back in a big way this year. Obviously, last year was was a down year. And, uh, you know, I'd say it's a, in a weird season in general. But for the most part, I think James Franklin is, is very high on this list and a guy I would consider if I were hiring a coach. And then I went Matt Campbell. I've never been as high on him as, as other people. I mean, still a top 10 coach, obviously, in my mind at, at number 10 here. But, um, you know, I just I, you know, I think I would like to see it someplace other than Iowa State before I uh, before I you know, really jump on him, which I know contradicts maybe some of what I said about Fitz, but uh, you know, that I, I, th I think he's a very good coach. I just, I, w I would like to see it more consistently and, and maybe at a bigger program. I like the Mac Brown pick. That's one that was an oversight for me. I might, uh, I might put him in there instead of Kirby smart. In fact, I'm going to do that. If I can redo my yeah. list, I'm going to put Kirby I'm smarts. Gonna, no, he's I, not I, a, yeah, I, I put him in there because he is recruiting well, but he just has yeah. his, his teams, you know, and he's, you know, they're perennial top 10, team and if i'm hiring a coach though man i mean i i, I would hire a lot of coaches before kirby i'm gonna put mac brown ahead of, i'm gonna put mac brown on there because i kind of forgot about him because of everything you can't just look at what he's doing now although he's doing really well at north carolina the way he's recruiting he's turned them around right away i mean they were in a terrible yeah. program when he got there but he's elevated them just in the couple of years he's been there yeah i'm gonna redo my list on the fly here and put mac brown in there instead of kirby smart all right well good look good list we had the same top three which is really what it's all about same top four we both had yeah, saban Dabo, day and lincoln riley saban Dabo, ryan day lincoln riley one through four for patrick and i all right switching gears let's talk some recruiting over the weekend uh zion branch very high star high four-star safety from bishop gorman in vegas which is turning into a little bit of ohio state pipeline um, he came out with his final five. It's Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and USC. Here's the good news for the Bucknutters out there for Zion Branch. 77% of the crystal ball picks are Ohio State, but two names that you're very familiar with are included in that list. The Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting and the National Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports, Steve Wiltfong, both have put crystal ball picks in for Zion Branch. You have the Dean and the Fong, crystal bulb Zion branch to the Buckeyes. I don't want to say that makes it a done deal, Patrick, but that makes it pretty close to a done deal in my opinion. Sure. I mean, you know, if there's two guys that I trust, um, you know, I trust a lot of uh, the guys in, in, in our business and especially within our company, but uh, those are two guys that, that usually don't uh, make their picks, um, especially at a, you know, Wilt Fong has it high, Bill, Bill has it high, um, you know, in terms of their degree of certainty. So, you know, yeah, like you said, I certainly trust both of those guys in that one. And, you know, this is a guy, this is a name that that's kind of floated around um, with this Ohio state class for a while, obviously would be a huge pickup for the Buckeyes. You, you have to think that, uh, that our guys here have kind of done their homework um, despite him being out, out West. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly trust their, uh, their level of confidence in this one. And I think Buckeye fans should too. 
And the rich get richer uh, Friday after we recorded the show. Uh, it's about Friday afternoon. George Fitzpatrick, the four-star offensive lineman from Colorado, who's really blowing up. I mean, you look at where he's ranked. He's ranked as a top 300 overall player in the country, like a top 25 offensive tackle. He's underrated, though, when you look at his offer list. I mean, every, everybody pretty much wanted him. Buckeyes got him. This 2022 class looks spectacular. Now, they're number one in the country by a mile right now. Now, last year was kind of the same thing. It's funny looking at this. So, George Fitzpatrick, six foot six, 285 pounds. He's in. They now have their second offensive lineman. I still think they want to get two more, not just one more in this class. We'll see what happens. But I'm curious to get your take on this. Last year, they had a big lead in the recruiting rankings, and uh, they finished second. Seems like that happens to Ohio State a lot. They finish second nationally, and those end up being fantastic classes. So, as I've said on the show before, give me all of these number two classes that, when we look back on them, really were the number one class. Like 2002, I'm going to go way back on you. 2013, 2017, all of those classes, if they re-ranked them, would be number one. They finished number two. Do you think this is a year, when you look at how big of a gap Ohio State has, and it's not that early, they have 17 prospects in the class already we won't know until February when the dust settles, maybe later than that if there's another Jason <laughs> who doesn't commit till July. But do you think this will be the year, 2022, where Ohio State holds on to that number one national recruiting ranking? It's looking really good. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, they are head and shoulders, the Buckeyes are above, you know, Penn State at number two, Notre Dame at number three right now. Um, you know, I think the thing that, that always, you know, if, if you buy into this, the, the, the top class thing, um, you know, Alabama's sitting there at number 11 with 10 commits. And you know that the Crimson Tide always close well. I think, you know, for people who watch the signing day shows and stuff like that, there's always a lot of guys considering Alabama and committing to Alabama on that final, you know, whether it's the early signing period or not. Um, I feel like that's, and the SEC in general, I feel like a lot of those guys wait until uh, that or even, um, you know, the, the all-star games and things like that. So um, I think that's, you know, you always kind of look, see where Alabama is. This You mentioned this happened last year. Uh, but this Ohio State class is, is just remarkable. You know, I, I've written something recently about, you know, Ryan Day and, and kind of proving and his staff proving themselves as recruiters. And when I really started to look at, at this class specifically uh, and not to take anything away from the other classes, you, you know, he's had, uh, it's just remarkable what they've built. And, you know, again, still a relatively young uh, coach in terms of, you know, some of the guys he's recruiting against, but the way that this staff has been able to put this class together, you've got kind of a little bit of everything, um, you know, 17 commits already, like we mentioned, and, you know, even guys like a George Fitzpatrick, who I think when the dust settles, um, I'm, you know, who knows where he ends up ranking, but I think he's going to be very good, especially once he gets in the program, gets some weight put on him and, and things like that. So, you know, as much as these rankings are, are great. And as Urban Meyer said, if they're going to keep score, we might as well try and win. I think what the Buckeyes do better than anyone else or, you know, with among the best in the country, I guess I'd say is getting the guys that they think fits their program. And usually that lines up with the guys that are ranked really highly, but um, you know, maybe sometimes some of those guys that, that don't rank as highly come in, develop well and, you know, turn into to big time players. So, uh, you know, I think that's just as important, but yeah, I, to answer your question, I think the Buckeyes can hold on here, but it is going to be, I, I do think teams will make it closer when we get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it at the end. And last thing real quick, Ohio State basketball recruiting. Yeah. Really transfer, I mean, yeah. which is the way it is now. It's like half your uh, team is like guys you recruited, half your team is transfer. So get used to it if you're not ready, if you're not used to it already. But the Buckeyes landed a really good hoops transfer. Cedric Russell, basically to take the spot of Dwayne Washington, a young man from 
Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, not uh, not LSU from Louisiana, averaged over 17 points a game at Louisiana last year. Uh, shooting guard, I don't think he's going to come in and be Dwayne Washington, but they needed another scorer, and I really like that Chris Holtman went out and found Cedric Russell from Louisiana. This was an interesting one just because I think a lot of people just assumed Dwayne Washington would come back. Um, I know that that was what I kept saying was the expectation uh, you know, I think EJ Liddell was the guy that more people thought were was going to go to the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I think it was kind of, OK, we, you know, not scramble mode necessarily, but, uh, you know, need to find someone and, you know, a couple guys out there. But this was probably in my mind, looking at these guys, the best of the bunch. Um, you know, he can score like like Dwayne Washington did a good three point shooter, um, you know numbers are actually even a little bit better than, than Dwayne's. And I know people ride Dwayne for his inconsistent up and down play. Um, you know, Chris Holtman has even made his comments about it, but uh, I, you need a score. He was their leading score last year. And, uh, you know, without him, it was going to be a little bit tough. So getting a guard in here who, you know, will score, it'll be interesting to see the adjustment to the big 10 level. Uh, but he's done it against big programs before uh, Baylor. I think he scored 20 some points against last year or two years ago, maybe. Um, but, you know, a guy who can definitely light it up, can hit it from the outside, can get inside, handle the ball a little bit. So, um, you know, obviously the fit will have to be there and we'll see what, what the rotations look like. But I think they needed a guy who could, who could do something like this and, and they found one in Cedric Russell. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy. Thank you very much, Patrick. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.